Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast series. This is the 6th of the podcast focusing exclusively on the markets and this series on markets is coming to you regularly towards the end of every month. Bringing insights from experts on the subject is your host Parvata Vardhini. I am the editor of BL Portfolio Business Line Sunday feature on investments and personal finance. The expert speaker for this month is not from the equity markets as it has always been, but this time he is from the debt side. Rajiv Radhakrishnan, CIO Fixed Income SBI Mutual Fund. Rajiv is an engineering graduate and holds a master's in finance from Mumbai University. He is also a charter holder of the CFA Institute USA. Rajiv is a veteran of SBI MF having joined the fund house as a fixed income fund manager in 2008. Hello Mr. Rajiv, welcome to the podcast. Hi. How is 2024 treating you sir? Oh, yeah, my... yeah, so far so good. <laughs> I believe uh, this is like you know markets are going to be quite challenging going forward. Right, right. So yeah. exciting times lie ahead. I believe in twenty four. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so I thought we could start with an equally important question for twenty twenty four. A lot of guesses on whether you're going to have a rate pause or a rate hike, perhaps in the second half, because you know you're still not sure of uh, in, in mm. vegetable prices going up. Or, uh, you know, could it be an outlying uh, cut? So what is your take for uh, the repo rate in 2024, sir? Uh, you know, in fact, uh, good question, actually, to start off this discussion, because uh, I think in terms of the setting the context, uh, the last quarter of 23 was really, uh, I would say, uh, you know, you saw a significant repricing uh, on expectations on rates, more so globally, maybe to lesser extent in India. So I still remember, I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately, markets have a very short uh, memory, I believe, because not so long back, uh, three months back, uh, you know, I think October, we were talking about rates staying higher for longer. Right. Uh, people yeah. were worried that uh, the Fed may have to hike more. Uh, and uh, then you had a complete about turn. So the higher for longer thesis got thrown out of the window and people uh, started pricing in large rate cut expectations for uh 24 but i think interestingly over the last three couple of weeks uh i, I, th- I think uh in beginning of 24 in a way has started in a way sort of a bit of pushback has come to that thesis that rates can go down uh so fast or uh, so early as uh, markets have been uh, expecting so i think uh in terms of expectations we still have uh expectations in the market or in terms of market pricing uh, I'm talking more from a global perspective. I'll come to domestic because both are to some extent to, you know, at least markets seem to be completely interlinked. So the global expectations have gone uh, from pricing in a cut in March. I think 100% was priced in three three weeks back. Today, probably markets are not really so uh, hopeful. I believe a 40% possibility is what when I last saw the market price. And uh, I think around five cuts or something are uh, priced in even today. Uh, So uh, setting the context for 24, uh, I think the biggest uh, source of uh, volatility and probably biggest source of disappointment might come in from uh, these uh, excessive expectations that have got built in in market pricing. So uh, 
Uh, I, I, we don't see uh, the Fed being in a hurry to cut rates unless there is a collapse in economic activity. So, so far, you've seen economic activity holding back relatively okay. Inflation is gradually trending down to target. So uh, this is what that uh, soft landing, uh, I think the Fed probably is getting it right. Uh, but uh, will they be in a hurry to cut uh, after having completely misread inflation? And even today, inflation is expected to stay above target for the foreseeable future. So uh, my expectation for the coming year from a global context would be uh, less cuts and later. So, you know, I don't think we see cuts in March. Uh, probably uh, given that, uh, you know, you have a soft landing type of scenario that is unfolding, maybe at some point down the line, the policy rates may not need to be as high as it is today. So I think that is what the dot plots are indicating that, uh, you know, you still are away from inflation target, but given that the bigger worry on inflation has sort of tapered off, would you want to keep policy as tight? So I would bet on markets actually getting only the extent of cuts that the Fed has uh, given in their dot plots, not the extent of cuts that the markets have priced in. So as, as we go forward, that can be a source of disappointment and source of volatility. Now, coming to domestic markets, uh, I know that there has been, a, you know, there is a bit of expectation in certain quarters that the RBI will follow the Fed. The Fed will cut and then the RBI will uh, uh, ease. And I think that is not likely to happen uh, simply because of the fact that domestic monetary policy will respond to growth inflation dynamics domestically. I don't see a clear-cut reason for the RBI to uh, ease policy until they get clear uh, comfort that inflation is guiding close to the midpoint. So uh, even today, you know, I think uh, the average expectation on inflation uh, for the next fiscal is about five. And growth has actually held up extremely well in India. We've also been positively surprised how you know, uh, you know, this financial year you're looking at closer to seven in line with what the RBI had been projecting all along. And earlier we were under the expectation that growth would be below six and that is not translated into that right you're seeing growth fairly robust inflation unfortunately still away from target uh, so that effectively means that the rbi will continue to be conservative in its policy stance for this year as a base case if you ask me i'm not expecting rate cuts from rbi in this calendar uh, what is more likely to happen is as you go into the second half as in when we see uh, visibility that inflation is at least closer to five, which is likely, given that you have both the lag effects and some of the base effects uh, uh, also will play in. So uh, as, as you see that uh, range of inflation, and hopefully by that time, uh, the global context also could have been more clearer. I think the Fed will probably ease policy in the second half. So as we see that dynamics play here in India, uh, the liquidity stance of the RBA can shift. So today, actually, over the last four and a half months, uh, what have we done? We've not hiked policy rates, but effectively the policy rates are 25 basis higher than what it was uh, four or five months back. So you're operating at 675 on the uh, overnight collateralized segment and somewhere between 85, 90 on my board. So the effective, the, the, the operating target for monetary policy is actually at 675, 680, which is an indirect rate hike that the RBI has done. And the reason being simple, because you still have inflation, which is way above control, or rather way above target. So this is one shift that can happen. As you see, visibility of inflation aligning at least around five. 
Uh, and probably by that time, the global context also would have been a bit more clearer. I think the Fed would probably move by that time. Possibly the liquidity stance of the RBI will shift. And it is required also because you're seeing the excess liquidity getting really unwound in the system. Uh, uh, and uh, if this sustains for the next few months, you might potentially lead to a situation where RBI may have to infuse uh, primary liquidity. So that shift is likely. And that is what we are anticipating at this point. I'm not really looking at rate cuts in this calendar. A lot needs to fall in place. Uh, rate cuts in India can happen if there's a growth collapse, uh, or uh, which is unlikely at this point based on high-frequency data. Uh, the second angle is you really see inflation coming, uh, aligning closer to target. And I don't think at this point when growth is extremely robust, and this is a time when RBI can actually really go for its midpoint target. So I don't see them relaxing on the inflation mandate uh, uh, if growth is fairly okay. So that's the uh, expectations for this calendar. Okay, so more likely a pause is what uh, you are saying. I yeah, mean... an elongated or an extended pause is a base case with uh, a potential shift in the liquidity stance over the year and rate cuts probably will have to wait. Okay, okay, sir. Coming up for uh, FY25, this uh, big event, the JP Morgan Index Inclusion. Yeah. To what extent uh, then do you expect the yield impacted by these two events? Last calendar, I think we got something like uh, 7.5 billion or so net inflow into uh, FAR government securities, which is purely uh, due to, and because all the flows happened after September or rather uh, leading into, uh, you know, in the last quarter mostly because announcement came in September. It was there in the uh, uh, in the news in the sense that JP Morgan is reviewing it. So the second half is when all the flows started coming in and uh, it's likely that uh, as the index, uh, you know, and this is something that you see every in every jurisdiction. Uh, you know, China, I think, is a recent example where uh, a lot of uh, overseas flows, index tracking flows came in before the actual index inclusion date because a lot of investors do that uh, whatever pre-investment or pre-positioning before the larger flows and in our case the numbers that we keep hearing about 15 20 odd billion dollar uh, i mean it can be here and there but directionally yes you will see uh, global investors uh, uh, participating in government securities in india incrementally given this is a big uh, positive factor. So uh, from a demand side, uh, the JP Morgan index inclusion, as I said, is already playing its part. We are seeing constant flows. And that's one reason why our yields have been rel relatively stable in recent past. Even as a treasury yield has started backing up, uh, you know, it has gone from 380 to 414, 415, and our bond yields are at around 718, 720. So it's largely due to the fact that there is a layer of demand that is coming in constantly. Small amounts, but it is uh, it is coming in uh, uh, almost every day. Uh, so that is positive from a demand side. Uh, but eventually, a lot more, you know, when you look at a bit ahead, if a lot of flows come into uh, India, you know, even if active flows come in and maybe if other index providers add India into the index, uh, to the extent that RBI stance remains anti-inflationary, uh, we need to see the impact on bond deals will be a function of what the RBI's response would be on the liquidity. So, so at this point in time, they want to actually take out rupee liquidity or that is withdrawal of accommodation. But that is, I think, incrementally reached a stage where liquidity is fairly tight, right? I know at some point, maybe they need to revisit. But uh, if you have a situation, say over the year, if 
both debt and equity flows are coming in and RBI is faced with a, a challenge on the uh, uh, maintaining the uh, currency in the sense that they intervene and if that adds rupee liquidity and it's which and if the policy stance is still anti-inflationary they may have to sell bonds and suck it out so the net impact at this point will be a function of how the eventual uh, uh, RBI sterilization operations pan out. But at a very basic level, yes, it is positive because you're seeing new demand. So, sir, net-net, uh, what you're saying is the 10-year yields at 7.5, 7.6, which we saw in June, July 2022. Oh, uh, we've had in recent times. Oh, yeah. It looks uh, likely, very clearly, yeah, uh, yeah. because uh, June 22, I think we were just about starting to tighten, right? And the Fed was also doing just about in the early stages of tightening. A lot has changed. Uh, you know, we are definitely, uh, the Fed is done with tightening. We are also, you know, we still have a distance to cover in terms of inflation. But quite likely that in India, the policy rate is unlikely to be. Of course, you can't rule out anything. But as a base case today, you should assume that rates stay higher for a bit longer rather than even going higher. Theoretically, even that's possible because if growth is so strong and RBI is really resolute in getting down to four, you can't completely rule out. But I mean, as a base case, I would say, okay, you're done. You will stay there for a longer period. So in that context, and now with new developments like JP Morgan inclusion, the Fed is done, maybe they'll start cutting so more flows can come in. So overall, yes, uh, the, those peaks are unlikely to be revisited in this cycle is what I would uh, assume today. And uh, if you see, uh, because, uh, you know, the yield curve as such, it's extremely flat. So because of your liquidity crunch, the shorter term, right. and as well as the longer term, as you said, 718, 720. Uh, so, I mean, uh, why is it so uh, flat and how do you expect it to be the rest of the year? Is it uh, going to get better yeah. the rest of the year? Yeah. So uh, the flatness in the curve, again, it's a function of uh, how liquidity dynamics have played out. As I mentioned earlier, the RBI is operating the system at the upper end of the LAF corridor. Uh, and I think uh, uh, that gives a lot of optionality to them because, you know, you need to assess how much uh, you've moved from. I mean, the way I look at it is uh, I don't see policy rates having gone from four to six and a half because four wasn't relevant. And six and a half isn't relevant today. When we were at four, the effective rate was three quarter because you had surplus liquidity. So we've actually moved from three quarter to 675, not from four to six half. So in that context, uh, it's essential that uh, uh, they have to assess whatever lag effects are there. And I think uh, the tightening is now done through liquidity and liquidity surplus has substantially been wiped off or narrowed materially. And, uh, and it's expected that this tighter liquidity uh, stance may sustain as long as RBI does not have comfort on the way CPI broader, you know, the headline is moving. So, and that's the reason why the shorter end of the curve uh, has stayed elevated. Alongside that, when you look at the money market space, uh, a lot more of issuance of CDs have happened because banks also, there's a gap between deposit and credit growth. And, you know, credit growth has been fairly robust. Deposit is lagging. And to that extent, you have a lot more of funding through CDs and bulk deposits. So it's the interbank liquidity dynamics and the RBI's operation on the liquidity side of effective tightening policy through uh, tight liquidity, which has kept the shorter end uh, elevated. The long end, of course, has reacted to developments like index inclusion, the flows and expectations that markets have on the longer term rate trajectory. Because, you know, you have, as I said earlier, 
there's a bit of expectation that the RBA will follow the Fed. So to that extent, we've seen the global yields have come down and our long end also has. And the, so demand supply is again an important factor. One thing that I mentioned was the JP Morgan or the offshore flows. That has largely been in the five to 10 year segment of the curve. The long end of our sovereign curve has been anchored by good demand from insurance and pensions. So there are these specific factors that are, uh, apart from the rate cut expectations that it is there or the peak of rate cycle expectation, it's demand supply that has sort of kept the long end fairly anchored and the shorter end has reflected tighter liquidity and tighter monetary policy stance. So as we go forward, as I said in the beginning, the first unwinding will happen on liquidity. That should lead to the shorter end uh, moving lower. But in India, we have always seen there's a parallel move first <laughs> and then eventually the curve will steepen out. So I think this will be similar this time as well. And uh, so uh, the very important question for investors from all this, uh, uh, mm -hmm. do they play uh, uh, duration now or do they play accrual now? <laughs> yeah, so uh, overall, I would say it's a function of what risk appetite you have. So if you are not really an investor who has appetite for interest rate risk, the shortened accrual, even on high grade uh, bonds is very, very attractive, right? I know, I mean, you got your three-year AAA uh, PSU PFI bonds around what 775 780 and you take uh, NBFCs and all they are eight quarter and you know so you get a reasonably high carry close to eight percent on a high grade three-year or even a one year you know the curve is flat so with high quality bonds you are able to get very good uh, accrual uh, today so again investors who don't have the risk appetite on duration can be very well served by moving at the shorter end on high grade bonds uh, duration is is a story that is uh, that will uh, uh, play out uh, as you go forward as i said over the next 12 18 months so in the near term you can have one volatility on both sides last 3 months we've seen the long end you know rates moving down uh, you know, as the uh, external expectations on rates get repriced, you could potentially see a little bit of uh, uptick uh, in the near term. But directionally, as I said, uh, are we seeing rate cuts immediately? No. But as RBI gets a more uh, visible handle on inflation coming, aligning closer to the target, I'm sure at some point down the line, there could be a change in the monetary stance. So duration can play out over that timeline. So uh, today, you know, to answer your question, uh, I don't think there is like a clear cut. You know, it's purely a function of what risk you can take. If you are not uh, an investor who wants interest rate risk and volatility, you still get close to 8% carry and you're not going to lose money uh, investing in high-grade portfolio at uh, today's yield levels. At the same time, the duration benefit can come uh, if you have a tenor that is exceeding one year. So I think uh, it's just a question of that. Your risk appetite and what tolerance in terms of, or rather what tenor tolerance you have. Yeah, that's what we have also been uh, writing about. We say there is an opportunity at uh, for every investor and at every, every investor. Uh, yeah, every yeah. tenor in debt actually. Every tenor. So even if you are a liquid yeah. fund investor, right. I mean, in fact, the way the shorter end is moved, I mean, I was told yeah. yesterday, three month series are at 785. <laughs> and today the table cutoffs also came three months above seven percent. Correct. Yeah. So I mean the levels are extremely lucrative. It's just a question of what segment you are comfortable and what liquidity requirements you have. So moving to target maturity funds. So 
Now, uh, for you as a fund house, how have uh, these funds done post your, uh, you know, losing out on the tax advantage? And in what ways do you uh, say that these funds still uh, make sense for investors? Uh, so, uh, post the tax uh, changes, uh, you've not seen flows uh, in uh, these products. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, the one week when you had before the tax changes mm -hmm. became effective, oh. a lot of money, you know, you're sure you would have seen that, right? A lot of money came into uh, all these products. Uh, so after that, uh, people have not really come back into any sort of duration products. You know, it's largely been uh, at the shorter end, which is largely institutional flows in nature. So uh, investors have not really come back uh, into some of these uh, uh, these categories. Probably they are waiting, and I think this is going to be the case because uh, earlier uh, you had uh, investors uh, who would have come in. Of course, people do try to time, but uh, once they have entered, they typically stay for that indexation, you know, the three-year tenor. So today that is not valid anymore. So you will still want to time, right? They will say, okay, let let me come in at the peak of the or maybe whatever. I mean, depending on what view you have. If I see your uh, SDL or the C, uh, PSC Bond Plus yeah. uh, SDL fund. The YTMs are uh, 7.5, yeah. 7.6 path per year. Right, right. So right. Even for somebody who wants to enter, enter that fund today for a short term, you, yeah, so people, uh, I would say, yeah, so the change in behavior would be that uh, they will become more tactical and probably the tenor of investment also may not, I mean, uh, will be accordingly shorter. Mm -hmm. uh, now, but to answer, uh, in fact, uh, we don't really talk much about valuations and fixed income. And I think it's a time, you know, really we need to look at that as well. Uh, you know, when these funds were being sold and a lot of money was coming in, the valuations were not favorable. Mm -hmm. If you go back in time and see, most of the flows came in at the time when RBI was still about to start or they had just started off uh, hiking policy rates. Today, after moving from three quarter to six seventy five, we have definitely at the fag end or you've already, you're done with uh, tightening. Uh, and the second angle, which is again not really appreciated is when flows were coming into some of these PSU uh, underlying uh, portfolio, the TMF, the spread was not there. Mm. Uh, you had at that point because of excess liquidity, high-grade corporate bonds in certain segments were trading below SDL. And I even know of instances where uh, a PFI and a PSU bond has traded below GSEC okay. uh, I, uh, at the shorter end. Why? Because money was coming into these funds. Uh, these funds had to buy only these sort of bonds which are there in the index. And unfortunately, at that point, the bond supply was not there. Okay. Because all the issuers were going to the bank loan market. And because the loans were coming at extremely you know, attractive levels, right? I mean, uh, people had moratorium on repayment. You had uh, T-bill uh, plus and repo plus structures. So corporate, especially PSU issuances migrated there. Today, that has changed. Uh, a lot more of supply has come in. Bond spreads have widened. Today, unfortunately, at 60 basis spread over a triple, over a sovereign, uh, money not coming in because the tax changes happen. Okay. So uh, both from the angle of, uh, if you leave aside the taxation part, from the uh, perspective of where we are in the rate tightening cycle and where we are in terms of valuation. And by valuation, I mean, uh, I think I missed one part. So the two parts to valuation, I would look at it. One is the bond spreads. So you were having zero spread or negative spread at some point. Today, the spreads are reasonably wide. In fact, it is higher than the long period average. So spreads are getting attractive. It can widen further. I'm not disputing it. But clearly, from where we started two years back, the spreads are attractive. And the other angle of valuation is real rates, right? 
Today, even if you say that inflation will be 6, which is unlikely, we are saying 5%, and you're buying these one-year bond or three-year bonds at 8%, you really have visibility that even if you shock it by 1% and say 6% inflation, you're still getting real positive rates. That wasn't the case two years back, three years back when money was coming in. At that point, you had 6% inflation and 4.5% yield on certain corporate bonds or 5 So, So the whole scenario has changed. So, so leave aside taxation, from the monetary policy angle where we are and where we are in terms of bond valuations, in terms of real rates and spread, it is very, very attractive today. Uh, so I am sure, I think investors can be, so if you don't want to take that fund manager risk that, okay, you come in and actively manage fund and the fund manager takes, a, you know, it can happen, right? I mean, you take a call and the market goes against you, but the investor thinks that, okay, I'm here for approval and I, I can actually time my exit because tomorrow if liquidity eases, and bond deals go down or spreads tighten, you will get capital gain if you want to exit. So you are taking that call. So the target maturity fund is giving you that flexibility to play your view. So I think it's a good product for those investors today. Uh, so taxation, of course, hopefully the budget will address it in some way. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just speculating. Okay. My next question was on the spreads, but I think you partially answered that yeah. also. So. Uh, so the spreads are better today than two years ago. That's what you would say. Yes, 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 yes. Except the 10-year, I would say. Uh -huh. The one-year, two-year, three-year, four, five, everything. The spreads have gone from almost uh -huh. nothing, 20-odd basis on an average to OSIS 50, 60 bips. So I on think it's getting PCs attractive. And, uh, corporate bonds, that's what I'm talking about PFI, PSU, uh, and corporates come later. Okay. Uh, so there is enough, uh, I would say, even on the possibility that you might see a bit more of widening because a lot depends upon how the capex cycle plays out and if a lot more of corporates come in start tapping the market and then liquidity remains tight you can see spreads widening further and from a starting point from zero spreads or tight spread mm -hmm. to spreads which are today slightly higher than long period average uh, i guess it's a fair bit of progression and I think investors should be looking at it actively is what. And uh, the other reason why uh, it looks all the more, again, that comes from the view. So as I said in the beginning, uh, the, the best case that we can see in terms of policy settings in India over the year is a shift in liquidity, right? From, from a policy-induced tight liquidity regime, you could potentially move into a policy-induced neutral to a little bit uh, surplus as the year goes by, if we see this improvement in inflation, and that can benefit uh, this segment uh, materially. Okay. okay, so one last question. I think you already answered it. So yeah. uh, the thing is, uh, you needn't necessarily go down the credit curve this year, isn't it? That that can be the Not necessary. Uh, I said yeah, precisely. Precise. There are enough opportunities in the high-grade space. Right. And uh, I think, uh, and eventually, yes, opportunities on down the curve will follow, given that everything gets priced over this. So... At this point, I think there is enough opportunity in the high-grade space to take advantage of. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks.